the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Mental health. Mental health is not the problem, it's the aim. One day I was talking to Nathan, who used to be here, he said, you know, a lot of people in our church have had mental health. I said, well, I hope so. That's what we want. Mental health is good. We like mental health. And uh, it was, mental health is the aim. Now, it was only in the last week or two, I was actually reading the news, and it said, in the news, the official news, a lot of people in New Zealand have mental health, and it meant mental health problems. So some, a lot of people say, look, we, we focus so much, don't we, on disease and problems. Why don't we focus on health? Okay, I think that's good. You up with that? Yeah? So mental health is good. We like it. And in the Bible it says, uh, whoops, is this? God? Oh, yes. Uh, in the Bible it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Or in another version, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, that song starts with Scripture. But then the next bit of it, Love for one another, is some, an explanation someone's put in there to say, that doesn't mean that you're going to be the chick magnet, all right? This kind of love is when we love other people and we get on with them that way. Power to overcome. Overcome what, you might ask? That's in the song. Overcome the enemy. Who's the enemy? Satan is the enemy, isn't he? And sometimes we're the enemy too. That's why in, your, in that version there it says self-discipline or your version might say self-control because sometimes the enemy is us. We're our own enemy. And so the power that God gives us is largely, in fact, um, to, to overcome the enemy's power and also to have power over ourselves, self-control. We can use that song as a mental health check. We could actually say for us, you know, we, or as the church. How's the church's mental health? Do we have love for one another? Do we have power to overcome? Do we have power to overcome the enemy? Personally and as a church, and can we defeat the enemy with a sound mind, or is there self-control in this church? It's a kind of a mental health song, isn't it? Murray tells me we haven't sung it for ages. It's a very, very old song, he said, and I was a bit insulted because I'm sure it's younger than me. Now, so I was asked to speak about mental health, and I've heard that half of New Zealanders, during their lifetime, have mental health problems. And for the rest of the people who presumably don't or might not have talked about it, of course, it affects families, doesn't it? It affects you. If, you, if you've never, you might say, oh, I've never had mental health problems, but it's affected your life when someone else has. Maybe, in fact, half of New Zealanders have had mental health problems, and the other half have had them too. <laughs> Now, let's, let's have a look at this guy. Do you know who this guy is? His name is Louis Pasteur. Have you heard of him? Of course you have. A famous scientist who changed the world. He actually realized that there's these things around called germs or pathogens, viruses or microbes that cause a lot of trouble. They, those little germs there are the cholera germs. Cholera is a terrible disease, which I've never had because when I travelled the world, we took little tablets to kill off these little guys in the water we were drinking. Louis Pasteur has saved millions of lives, and, and, his, and his other scientists as well, because he found, in fact, that disease was caused not by what they called miasma, which they used to believe, but by these little bugs, these little germs that were in things. 
They were on your hands, and they, were, and they could be in the air or on food and so on. And as a result of his work, what a transformation. Doctors began washing their hands so they didn't spread germs between patients. And now our COVID response, of course, is based on his discoveries. We realize, in fact, that there are COVID germs out there, and we don't want them to pass from you to me and vice versa. But quite apart from all the effect that's had on stopping disease, it's also enabled this. Because Louis Pasteur knew about microbes and things, he realized that if we could stop those microbes working, if we could kill them by cooking them and seal the product, we could keep food for a very, very long time. So, thanks to Louis Pasteur, disease is controlled, germs aren't spread, and food is preserved. We don't get food poisoning, and we don't starve. However... When Louis Pasteur looks at this Bible verse, he cannot explain it in terms of germs. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, I believe that Louis Pasteur would have known that it was true if he could speak English, if he could have got a French Bible. I believe that he would have known that that was true, but he couldn't explain it in terms of germs. Hope deferred means you're just longing for something to happen. I so, so wish it would happen, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, and it doesn't. And after a while, your heart gets sick. Have you known people to suffer like that? They've longed and longed and longed for something. I've known people who've longed and longed to have a baby, and they can't, and it hasn't happened. And in time, they begin to get sick of heart because they're disappointed. See, we could pasteurize everything but it wouldn't stop that kind of heart sickness, would it? We all know it happens. Do people die of a broken heart? Yep. John Braidwood was a teacher at the college. Some of you will know him. And one day a jogger was running by his house and he found the lawnmower running with John Braidwood lying dead next to it. When we ran the funeral for John Braidwood, because the school had the responsibility of doing it, he wasn't very connected socially. His mother said to me, I don't know what I will do. I don't know how I will manage without John. He was everything to me. He looked after me so well. And I think she died four days later. But it wasn't germs. It wasn't a sickness she had. It was a broken heart. We know it happens, don't we? We all know stories. Also, Louis Pasteur couldn't explain this either. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Louis Pasteur couldn't explain why sometimes people are sick with real germs, with real diseases that can kill them, and they laugh their way to health. He couldn't explain why. Doctors admit it. Doctors admit that our state of mind, our state of cheerfulness, has a powerful disease-fighting effect. But Louis Pasteur couldn't explain it in terms of germs. This does. Do you recognize it? What is it? I'm copying your, your mixer. Tefare tapafa. All right. How old is this? I used, I used to think it was some kind of traditional Maori belief. Well, in fact, this model was invented by Mason Dury in 1998. It's a widely used model depicting the elements that contribute to holistic health or how order of a person. I'm reading this straight off an entry that I looked at. Ho order is a holistic way of looking and understanding health and well-being. Literally, ho means wind and order means life or well-being. That's why we say kia ora, may there be life and well-being. Ho order, the wind of life. It's bigger than health. 
It's well-being in every way. Holistic health encompasses more than just avoiding disease or injury. It is a concept that encourages thinking of the overall well-being of a person. Te Whare Tapa translates as the house with four walls, likening a healthy person to a house with four strong walls. If any of the walls are not well maintained, it threatens the entire structure. Similarly, whoops, paper clip alert, whoops, there we are. Murray never has that when he's looking at his computer. Similarly, if any of the major aspects of a person's holistic health are out of balance or not well nurtured, then it affects the whole person. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah, it does. All right, this week I watched a program called Like a Man, recommended. Uh, it's a bit more about that later, but on that a young woman said something that I've never thought about before. She said, if you have three strong walls and one is weak, the three strong ones can help you to heal the weak one. Doesn't that so make sense? We'll talk a bit about, more, a bit about that later. The four walls of Te Whare Tapawha are Te Tahig Henengaro, the mental and emotional aspect, the heart, mental well-being, thought processes, resilience and feelings. Te Taha Tinana, the physical, aspect, the physical aspect, the body, nutrition, exercise, development, clean air, sleep and so on. Te Taha Wairua, the spiritual aspect, this could be religion, spirituality, connection, beliefs, culture, purposeful or meaningful life. And te taha whānau, the people aspect, whakapapa, family culture, history, identity, social interactions, support and family systems. Do you like the picture? My only regret about it is it's not clear that it's just, it's not clear that it's not just for Māori because you see this is it's called a Māori health model, but actually it applies to every one of us. Do you know what the word Māori means? What does it mean? Hmm? Yep, it means, it, it, it means normal. It means just normal. So when Captain Cook said, Hello, I'm an Englishman, who are you? Their answer was, we're just ordinary people. You see, he tangata Māori, just ordinary people. He wasn't ordinary, he wore funny clothes, and he rode his waka facing backwards, which was pretty weird. All right, so, so let's just have a bit of a think about that, uh, the four wall, if one wall's weak. So just think about if somebody has got a mental problems uh, that, that, and their thought process and feelings are wrong, could physical exercise help? Yes, it could. Keeping fit. Could spiritual sides help? Could prayer and, and having a connection with God help? It absolutely would. Could, uh, could having people around them, a support crew, could that help? It absolutely could. In fact, how would you get better if you didn't have those things? So here's the strange thing. I, I read the Neurological Foundation research a lot. And what they say is that old people, they are worried that as they get older, their thought processes won't be so sharp and they'll start forgetting things. And they do puzzles and they do word games and things like that. Good idea? It is a good idea, but the very best thing you can do to help your mind stay sharp as you get older is not those things. It is go for a walk. That's what? Keep working. Yeah. But, but phys physical exercise, what they say is that if you want your mind to stay sharp, keep moving. You go, ah, huh? your mind? Yes. Because we are connected. We're one. You, you've got all different aspects to your personality, but you're one house. Doctors understand this too. Now, I, you might know Dr. Maldiv Kishvara, and I, one day I went in to see Dr. Kishvara. I said, Maldiv, I read in the paper that married people 
have twice the rate of recovery from cancer as unmarried people. Huh? And he looked at me as if I was the nutter, and he says, yes, and everything else too, and why wouldn't it be? It was a strange thing for a doctor to say who's all talked, learned about germs and things, wasn't it? So I went home and I talked to Jana. And let's think. And I said, why would that be? Why? Because if you've got someone, and I'm, I know some people are married and some aren't, but if you've got someone, if you've got a support group, if you live with people who are encouraging you, they say, hey, look, don't forget to take your meds. Oh, do I? Come on, doctor. See, see, hey, you've got to get some exercise. Have I? Come on. Yeah, you've been sitting watching TV for four hours. Here, let's cook a nice dinner, a nice healthy dinner. Because we cook better when there's someone else there, don't we? Do we? For us, it's just, oh, yeah, baked beans on toast. But if someone else is there, mm, nice salad or something. You see, so you've got someone there. But the other reason is you've got someone that, that, that it's worth it. You know, like, somebody's, somebody loves me. It's worth getting better. Of course, you did. it's been around since 1998, which might mean it's as old as that song. I don't know. So there we go. And now, doctors understand this. Do you know what's going on there? Can you see the pictures? The top left, they're pushing a hospital bed out of the hospital. Can you see that? The top right, they're going across the road. And what's happening down the bottom? This is in Barcelona in Spain, and that man has COVID. He is a COVID patient. And they have decided, all those doctors and nurses have decided that what he needs is a good pick-me-up. So they've pushed him out of the hospital, across the road, to the beach. Half an hour of the sea and the sunshine and the smelling the salt and hearing the seagulls. Tell you what, if I get COVID, do that for me, huh? Because those doctors understand that it's not just about germs. Now, years ago, Murray and I went to a conference with a man called John Wimber as the speaker. And he said to us, we are all connected, body, mind and spirit. We're whole people. And he told stories that illustrated that. One of his stories was about a girl who had terrible, terrible epilepsy terrible and they gave her drugs and they gave her more drugs and the drugs brought the epilepsy under control she didn't have epilepsy at all it stopped her but she was like a zombie because she was so drugged that her personality kind of disappeared later on when christians heard about this discerned what was going on they cast some demons out of the girl her epilepsy was cured she could go off the drugs and she was her old self again now here's me going now hang on a minute i didn't understand that i thought we were separate parts i thought if it was a, a spiritual problem how could drugs help but they did because we're actually all connected you see that girl wasn't three different girls she was one girl and all her bits were connected. So at that conference, I learned that we're whole people. I don't know if you've ever seen a series of television programs called The Chosen. Have you? Now, in this, in this series, Mary Magdalene... Oh, oh I should tell you. Uh, Mary, Mary Magdalene has demons cast out of her by Jesus. She's been absolutely demonized. Her life has been terrible. She has no social life because everybody's scared of her. She's mad. She can't think straight. Mentally, emotionally, her health is poor because we're whole people. Everything affects everything else. Her whole fare tapafa is a mess. Jesus casts the demons out of her. I think the Bible says seven demons, doesn't it? She casts the demons out of her, and on this program, they don't show her, boom, all fixed, quite like that. What they say is, here she is, free for the first time maybe in her whole life looking at a life which has been evading her 
And shyly, she begins to re-enter society, to make friends, to start to try little tentative things to see if she could do it. And they show a very touching scene where for the first time ever, she cooks a dinner and she invites Jesus and some other people to the dinner. And she says, I've never done this before. I hope I'm doing it right. I hope I am, Rabbi. And Jesus said, yeah, this is all right. So gradually, with her spirit wall strengthened, she begins to build those other walls. Now, John Wimber again said this. He said, somebody said to him, I am a counselor, and you achieve in one session by casting out demons what would take me months and months of work in counseling. And John said to the counselor, yes, but after somebody has been freed from demons like that, there's nothing they need more than skilled, consistent, and loving Christian counseling to rebuild the things that have been lost. Does that make sense? It does, because I think a lot of people go, yeah, I get that. I understand this. This resounds with how I think people are. Now, with all of that understanding, let's have a look at a Bible story we know well, and let's see some things in it we might not have thought about. Remember, this man was not just a spirit. He was a faretapafa, and he was a whole person, and he had a physical and a social existence as well. It's called the demons and the pigs. And this version I'm reading is from Luke, with a little bit from Mark as well. Then they sailed to the region of the... Oh, it's from Matthew 8, 28. Oh, sorry. What am I talking about? It's, it's from Mark. No, Luke. Anyway, I'm just going to read it. Oh. It's from... I read them all, you see, and then I get mixed up, which is which. Then they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothing or lived in a house, but he stayed in the tombs. Mark adds in there, now there was no one with the strength to subdue him. Night and day in the tombs and in the mountains, he kept crying out and cutting himself with stones. Think about that. No one could actually stop him. How did he get, he didn't have big muscles. How did he have all that power? Because the demons gave him physical strength, just as they can. And just as love can give you amazing strength too. When the man saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, shouting in a loud voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you not to torture me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and although he was bound with chains and shackles, he'd broken the chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. What is your name, Jesus asked. Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and the demons kept begging Jesus not to order them to go into the abyss. There on the hillside, a large herd of pigs was feeding, so the demons begged Jesus to let them enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. So the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had left, sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Meanwhile, those who had seen it reported how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to depart from them because great fear had taken hold of them. Think about the story. Think about the story. What was the man's spiritual need? Deliverance. He, had, he, he was just like a house full of evil spirits. 
In fact, he was so full of evil spirits, he couldn't even decide what to do himself, and he didn't seem to have any awareness that he actually had a name. He was named Legion, which means a whole lot of demons. How bad is that? What was his, phys what was his mental need? Insanity. He was insane. He couldn't think clearly. What was his physical problem? He'd, he was all cut and bruised because he bashed himself up. I bet he'd had a terrible diet. I don't think he would have been a physically healthy man, although we know he was very strong in a sense. What was his physical, or sorry, what was his family and social? His, his, his Fano wall would have been an absolute mess. He hadn't seen his family and friends for years. They're too scared of him. So this man's four walls have broken down and Jesus has just fixed one, the spiritual one. The demons have gone. And when everybody came to see the man and to see what had happened, where was the man? He was sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, we know what Jesus said to the demons, but we don't know what Jesus was talking to him about. But I put it to you that what he was probably saying was, like Mary Magdalene, you have just been through an experience. A spiritual experience which has set you free. I have set you free from your demons. And now comes the mahi, the work of building a new life. Of re-establishing those social contacts which you thought were gone forever. Of getting healthy and fit again, establishing routines. And in fact, I've even got a mission for you. I want you to go around and tell people what's happened. So he was giving the man a value, a job. And that's how it is. We will deal with people who need help at all these levels. And one of the problems that we can have is our tunnel vision. If we, we might say, rightio, Jesus cast the demons out of this guy. He cast the demons out of Mary Magdalene. Sweet as, job done. Not so. People need that help. They need to be nurtured. And actually, we probably do for our whole life, don't we? Hannah lent me a book. She said, Dad, I think this would be a good book. I think you'll like this. Uh, but I can't give it to you. I have to lend it to you because it's out of print. So she lent it to me. I read it. I can't remember what it was called. I can't remember the title or the author. But I'm going to tell you all about it. Because I remember everything about books except the title and the author. So here we go. This is what the book said. Christians have three views on what causes mental health problems. One view is it's a physical or chemical problem in the brain. That's true. It is. We had a woman in our church, who had terrible mental problems. They were absolutely devastating her marriage, her life. She was running off, leaving her kids. It was horrible. She showed real signs of, of you might say, that she's got big spiritual problems. Doctors investigated and found she was short of lithium. They began giving her lithium, and she came right. Became a, a loving mother, a faithful wife, a pillar of the church, and a community pillar too. What did it take? Lithium. That's what. There was a mineral missing in her body's makeup. So I'm going to tell you that the idea that mental illness, mental problems can be a chemical imbalance is true. Other Christians believe that mental problems are caused by demonic influence. And this is true. The girl that I told you about with epilepsy who John Wimber told us about, she needed to be delivered of demons. When I was a little boy, I asked my parents, what's this all about delivering demons? They said, oh, back in the old days, Jeremy, people believed that mental illness was caused by evil spirits who lived in them. <laughs> okay, well, later on in mum and dad's life, once they'd 
sort of been out there and seen what went on, they, uh, they didn't tell me that because demons are real. They really are. Mum and Dad talked about being in Samoa with a girl, um, praying for her and the demons running around inside her body trying to get away. They could see it moving. She was a pastor's daughter, but somehow evil spirits had got a grip of her and she was changed and freed. Jesus said, cast out demons. He told us to do that. Paul lists the discerning of spirits as a spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians 12. In my experience, Pākehā New Zealanders often need this gift. We're not very good at it. And thank you, Māori and Pacific Brethren, uh, for helping us on this. Brothers and sisters, we need your help. Because often, you, as Polynesians, will sense what's going on in the spirit, but Pākehās don't. Why? Partly thanks to dear old Louis Pasteur. Because at that time... Uh, there was a huge move through Western society that made us forget about the spiritual. We had it so well explained with germs and things. So, a lot of Pākehā society is out of touch with the spiritual side of society. What about, and other Christians believe that mental problems come from problems in the mind and emotions and the memories. And that's true, because trauma in our past opens us up to long-term problems. Sometimes people say, we are going to give you a session on healing of memories. And they take people back to the time when the hurt occurred, and they pray with them, and they take God into that situation in the past. And amazing transformations come. There's a ministry called Father Heart Ministries, and they major on doing stuff like that. I don't kind of get it. Wow, this is pretty weird. But it's true. It's true. Now, the point of the book, you know, they, oh, they can take you back into a situation that hurt you maybe long ago, maybe even before you were born, and God's healing power comes into it. People have been healed of trauma that happened in the womb. The point of this book was this. Christians take a stand on their favorite explanation and they stand on that and they discount the others. What the book said is if Christians would work together instead, realizing that each of those three explanations is, has a point, that it's real, instead of fighting each other, no, everything, no, we believe it. So instead of that, if we just get together, we could do so much more to help people. And John Wimber would agree. I want to finish my talk by telling you a bit about my own experience. One day, I was reading the Waikato Times, and there was an article about depression. It said depression is an illness, and that making, asking somebody, what are you depressed about, makes as much sense as asking, what have you got the flu about? That was a pretty good way of saying it, wasn't it? It said the symptoms of depression are lack of energy and motivation. You don't enjoy the things you used to do. It's hard to get some energy to do stuff. If you've got depression, don't throw away your surfboard because you won't feel like surfing now, but when you get better, you will. So I went to the doctor, Maldiv Keshvara again. I listed my symptoms. I said, Maldiv, I read this in the paper, and this is me. And he laughed, and I laughed too, because it's very funny being depressed. And, <laughs> but we laughed because he said, yes, I'd absolutely nailed it. I was right. That's what it was. So he congratulated me for coming in. He says, men, don't come in. They just keep going and going and going until their marriages are ruined, their relationships are ruined, and their lives are ruined. He said, but you've come in, and that's good. So he said to me, I'm going to put you on some medication. It's a gentle, slow medication. It's non-addictive, and in a couple of weeks, you'll feel your mood begin to lift. So he did, and I did. Now, when I, when I felt better, when I started to feel better, well, sorry, when I, when I did feel better, I like to analyse myself and think about my, the way I work. And I look back and I said to myself, when did I start to feel better? 
when did I start to feel better? Was it when the drugs kicked in after a couple of weeks and started working? No, it wasn't. Was it when I took the first dose of the drugs? No, it wasn't. Was it when I sat down with the doctor and we had a bit of a laugh and talked about it and I realised that he reassured me I'm not nuts, this is just something that people go through. Was that the beginning of me feeling better? No. The time I felt better was when I decided I'm going to do something. I went to the phone and I picked it up to make a doctor's appointment. That's when I began to feel better. Because the very nature of depression is you don't feel like doing anything. If you've got depression, you don't feel like calling the doctor. You don't feel like doing anything. You just feel like sitting there and doing nothing and falling to bits. So that's what it was. It was my decision. I am going to do something about this. Thank you, Waikato Times. Boop, 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 boop. Hello, Huntley West Medical Centre. That's when I... Hmm? No, it wouldn't, but that's because of who I am. I love to learn. I love to listen to advice. And I have huge respect for you. If you had said that to me, it would have had the same effect. But other people are different. That's how I am. I love to learn and I love to get, I, I could tell you health advice that I've had from Amy Henderson, from, from various people who you'd be surprised. Some of them are much younger than me. And I've, t I've done it because I like to hear good sense. But and Anna, that's a good point. A very good point. And that's one of the things that, that for, for men's mental health, maybe women could say, hey, you need to see the doctor. Be quiet. I don't. All right. That's my story. I got better. I got worse. I got better again. And if I get worse again, I'll get better again. Is that helpful? Now, the first time I told this story here in this building, my mate came up to me. He said, that's the most amazing sermon I ever heard. That's amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Jeremy Welsh had mental health issues. But I thought you were so in charge and so confident and everything else. Because I, I was still standing up the front doing things. He didn't think I had mental health problems because I was still functioning. And I was. It is. Now, I function. And he functions. And he has bipolar. He's been diagnosed. He's got bipolar. He still loves his family and he still loves his wife and he still provides for his family. He still works hard and he still has a job and he still mows his lawns and we still have some laughs and he still gives me a call and he's still full of thankfulness to God. Full of thankfulness to God. Mate, I am so thankful. To thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. But he has bipolar. We'd love God to heal us of everything, wouldn't we? But in many ways, we're broken people. Look at this guy, eccentric old Englishman. I've got arthritis. No, said my friend who goes to Jesus. No, you haven't got arthritis. Don't speak like that. You have to speak in faith. I have. I can show you the bony bits that stick out there. Okay? I've got arthritis. Now, if God heals me from arthritis, I'll be very happy and I'll let you know. But see, we can't. I get grumpy. Sometimes I work too hard. Other times I'm lazy, for goodness sake. And, and I have bad thoughts, unclean thoughts. I'm not up to Jesus' standard at all. I get cranky with people. I get impatient with people I should be patient with. My goodness, Jeremy, and you're up the front. But look at these scriptures. Look at them. This is Paul. Paul was pretty famous, wasn't he? He's a cranky guy. He was like me. If he was here, you'd think he was me. He's so grumpy. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is God speaking to Paul. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That's Paul. Isn't he the most famous guy? Yep, he had weaknesses. He knew it. And then he wrote this also in in, uh, 2 Corinthians. He wrote, For God, who said, Light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, for goodness sake. Now we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassingly great power is from God and not from us. Picture this. The glory of God in a broken old clay pot. Would you put treasure in a broken old clay pot? Then why does God do it? That's us, by the way. We're the clay pots. Why? So that everybody knows it's not you and me. It's him. That's why. So, well, goodness, Jeremy couldn't do that. He's just a crackpot. And so that's why God does it. That's us. You know, we wonder if people really knew what we were like, would they still like us? Well, God, he not only likes us, but he's trusted us to sow the seeds of his kingdom and do his work on earth. Wow. Well, that's the end of today's message. If I do another message on this topic, state of mind, it will be about contentment. Because there's a scripture that says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I believe that being contented is very good for your health. And I could say a message about that sometime, maybe. It's an important part of whole wellness. And if you're interested in thinking about mental health, I'll recommend to you a program that I watched this week on Murray's recommendation. It's called Like a Man. New Zealand men are terrible at looking after their health. Suicide is rife, but men can learn to help themselves and other men around them through natural blokey relationships, especially the workplace. I watched and was encouraged by great big guys with high-vis vests and muscles and brown skin saying, now we men are very bad at this, and they're training guys on a construction site to watch out for their, their own and their mates' mental health. Hooray. It's on TV One On Demand. There you go. You might like it. I, I watched it, thought, yeah, that was pretty interesting. Then I found out it's a series. I'm not sure if I'm quite up for the series, but there we are. I watched one. You might like it. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.